Brian, this week's episode is brought to you and us and all the people of the world uh, by Space and Beyond Box. Not just space, space and beyond. Yeah, they're giving away a free one-year subscription to their Space Box. Yes. Which Do they if, put space in their box? Uh, there's probably some space in there. I don't know how tightly it's packed. So there might be a little bit of room. If you order this box, once a quarter, you'll get a bunch of really cool space stuff sent to you by the people uh, from Astronomy Magazine. This month includes things like a sweet Apollo 11 mission patch. Yes. Um, a Astro Reality Lunar AR notebook. What? A moon globe. I want the moon globe a, so bad. A poster documenting the age of lunar exploration. <sighs> and a sweet moon zine. Moon zine. Yeah. So you can so, bring the moon with you wherever you go. Hell yeah. You can get all that if you go to spaceandbeyondbox.com and enter their giveaway. Yeah, spaceandbeyondbox.com slash giveaway. Also, Ryan, we are one week away, a week and a day away from our LA live show. Oh, last chance to dance, baby. <laughs> There's still some tickets available. Uh, if you go to whatifpodcast.com slash LA, you can get your tickets. We'll be doing a live show. Lydia Liza is going to be playing some tunes. Ian Abramson's going to be making you laugh. And then uh, we're going to hang out with people afterwards. So come see us at the satellite in LA on October 30th. Whatifpodcast.com slash LA. Do it, do it, do it. Hi, welcome to the What If Podcast. Your host tonight is going to be Spanker Wetman and then uh, <laughs> Ryan Crapper Thap. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> the, the Spanker Whatnot gets you literally every time. It's. <laughs> I think I think the reason that I laugh at that one is because it is the most aggressively wrong of all of them. <laughs> Spanker, bat, bat. It's just like, no, not, literally not even close. Eh, Spanker's pretty close. I, I guess. What, what not is not so close. Did anybody call you Spanker growing up? No. <laughs> Still time. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. It's, uh, you know, if it's pretty close, it feels like mean kids would have... Would have found a way. No, they weren't that clever. <laughs> or, or they weren't that mean. The elementary school bullies were not as clever as Lydia Liza. Maybe you were just that cool. No. Nope. They, they didn't want to bully. <laughs> Definitely wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that neither of us were cool. Nope. <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> Ryan, you want to talk about uh, maybe the damn silliest, weirdest topic we've had yet on this here show of ours? Oh, man. <laughs> Do I ever. <laughs> This is one where when uh, I put it on our show schedule, you just sort of shook your head at me. Like, is that a real thing that we're doing? Um, you know, listen. Soft <laughs> to a good start. <laughs> uh, I think the reason that this one is particularly difficult for me is, uh, you know, demons are inherently like a a religious entity mm -hmm. and we are not here to bag on religion by any means, mm -hmm. but I consider myself an agnostic. I don't really know, uh, bordering on an atheist as in, I think the burden of proof is on somebody else and I haven't seen a ton of it in my lifetime. What better way to find out than by reading self-published UFO books. And, and that's, I think why <laughs> this one for me in particular as an intersection of, uh, a thing that's pretty tough to wrap your head around and another thing that's kind of tough to wrap my head around makes this one a little bit tough for me to fully wrap my head around. 
Fair. Um, I w- was drawn to this topic because it did, on its face, just seem so absurd to me. The topic is, what if aliens are demons? Yes. Um, and the UFO, alien, and abduction uh, scenarios could all be explained in more religious terms. Sure. Or, to be more specific, in Christian terms. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I found well, this. Well, is it just Christian terms? The stuff Does I'm going to ha- be talking about is. Okay. I don't, and, I don't and mine exactly is know what you're, you too, but yeah, okay. Um, so I found this book called Final Events by our bud Nick Redfern. <laughs> okay. And I for sure thought the title was Finally Vents, as in Nick Redfern. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, fuck this shit. <laughs> you know what? I've been doing this for 30 goddamn years. <laughs> Nick Redfern finally flips his lid <laughs> after all yeah. the research. I mean, that would be a pretty good description of this book also. I'd be, um, I'd be here for it. This is one that I bought on Amazon just because the cover is so damn silly. There is There are three things layered on top of each other. This is a three-layer Photoshop document right here. Can I describe it to the people? Let me see it yeah, for the first time. Yeah, here you go. Okay. Fi- finally, Nick Redfern finally vents. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Let's start with the, the background layer first. The background layer is a uh, not real blue sky, but designed to be a blue sky with a gigantic exploding atomic bomb in front of it. Yep. In layer front two. of the, Layer two is on top of the atomic bomb, a just red like clip art cutout of what appears to be a devil of some <laughs> kind. Oh, shit. Hold on. Oh, you got something for the what, people? What does it look like? It looks like a devil of some kind. Everything is the devil to you, mama! And then in front... <laughs> Just calling you mama for the rest of this episode. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, and then in front of, like, kind of the devil's crotch area, I guess. A devil! Uh, <laughs> it's a little tiny gray alien. Mm-hmm. And So now we know what this book is about. And finally, Vince's subtitle is... And the secret government group on demonic UFOs and the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Gotta buy it, right? I mean... How could you not read that book? I guess... I guess... I guess... It was you, one of no, the most entertaining books I've ever read, honestly. You know what I will say? You have to buy it. Yeah, yes. This yeah, yeah, is yeah. this right. is a Spencer Worth Davis can't pass up, <laughs> for sure. Everything nope. is the devil to you, mama! <laughs> okay. Um... I have read this entire book within the last 24 hours, and I would like to start by summarizing it for you. I'd, I'd, I'd love it if you because did. Because goddamn if it isn't some of the wildest shit I've ever read, and also I'll be goddamned if I wasn't sort of a little bit convinced by some of it by the end. Yes, bro, let's go. <laughs> See, this is what I want, is I want for you to take me down a road wherein I am, okay. I am potentially uh, more smitten by this concept. <laughs> Than I currently am. All right. So we start by uh, Mr. Redfern claims to have discovered or learned about a secret government, sort of government adjacent group. So not like an official government or military sponsored inquiry, but like an NGO, if you will. Uh, yeah. In, like is consists of people from the government uh, they research things about the government, the military, but they are not funded by or officially part of either. Mm. This is in the United States, by the way. They're like a tiger team. They're like the Justice League. 
I don't know what a tiger team is, but it sounds cool. They're like um they're like teen teen titans. You're losing me, bud. They're like the Power Rangers. <laughs> okay, got it. Okay, yes. there we go. Yes. I, was, I was like, I'm going to land one of these. Um, they call themselves the Collins Elite. It's a strong name. Which may also be a cover name or fake name that Nick was given about this group. But mm. they are referred to in this book as the Collins Elite. That is if this group exists at all? Uh, yeah. Do we have any documents on this group? Sort of. Okay. Um, he learned about this group through a pastor named Ray Becky or Beck Boechke. How how would you pronounce B O E C H E? B O E C H E. Becky. Becky. I think it'd be Becky. Just Becky. Becky. Okay. Becky with the good aliens. So Becky claims that he was approached by two members of this Collins elite. You really enjoyed your own joke. There. I really did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just. I really did. Uh, he. Yeah, he claims he was approached by, he's a pastor, and he claims that these two members of the Collins elite came to him to sort of for some advice about some of these topics, because uh, Becky is also interested in paranormal topics, but is an ordained pastor. Mm, mm-hmm. and, I got one of those guys later. Okay, cool. Um, so then Redfern originally started talking to Becky about the information that he had gotten from these two Colin, unnamed Collins elite members. Okay. Yeah, right, right. He eventually himself got into contact with two former Collins elite members and got some more information, but that's where oh, the cool. story started. Got it, got it, got it. So, quick summary of the Collins elite. They believe that the entire UFO alien abduction thing is the work of not what they call non-human entities. But not extraterrestrial entities. Mm. I was going to say, because aren't they always non-human entities? Uh, there are some people that think like humans are behind some of the UFO and abduction stuff. Like it's government or military sure. related. But Yeah, okay, that's that makes sense. Um, I stand corrected. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Acknowledging my ignorance. Uh, and these non-human entities are not of our physical world, and they are inherently evil entities that are working on behalf of the devil to deceive humanity. Now, they want to convince us that they are ETs from another planet because that serves the devil ultimate goal of getting <laughs> us to move away from Christianity, right? Because if we start believing yes. in like space brothers and life throughout the universe and Christianity gets a little uh, mucky potentially. And then if we are no longer Christian, they will be able to harvest our souls when Armageddon comes. Whoa. Hmm? Whoa, buddy. Yep. That took a turn at the end Uh there, didn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I will say, um, I won't get into it now because I know we're talking about the book, but I'm going to get into a documentary uh, later in the show called Aliens and Demons, Evidence of an Unseen Realm, which stars Dr. Michael S. Heiser in it. And he does open that documentary by saying something that I can definitely get on board with, which is that um, there is something sort of inherently spiritual about the whole concept of UFOs and aliens 
because of how directly it ties into the concepts of like, what are we? How did we get here? Mm -hmm. What else is out there? What about our relatively earthbound religions? How do how are those impacted by the reality or lack thereof of these things? And so it is interesting to me that like there there is a there is a native tie into religion when you start talking about these things because of the things that it calls into question for anyone who is religious or for and believing in really any religion that you believe is, you know, natively based on our planet. I think beyond that too, there's the the layer of religious or spiritual experiences having a lot of overlap with uh, abduction or UFO encounter experiences. Sure. Um, meditation being involved sometimes in the UFO and uh, abduction stuff. Uh, just even what people report, like physically seeing during these, um, the links between, I got re- reinvigorated to uh research the terrence mckenna dmt stuff sure last week sure uh, mysterious universe revisited some of that shit on their pod last week and the whole angle of like he thinks or thought hypothesized that um it's like the actual molecule in of DMT or in psilocybin could be intelligent and not of our world. Oh, that's a cool idea. Um, there's a lot of overlap with like shamanic practices and substances and then meeting beings while yeah, yeah. after using those substances and being or physically leaving your body and going somewhere and meeting a being. Sure. And the whole machine elves thing that like lots of people report seeing a very similar or the same being in these places. Right, right. Anyway. They're linked, I think. Yeah. And I'll get into more some more of those too later on. Probably not in a demons are playing tricks on us dressing up as aliens way, but but hey, but maybe follow your heart, Nick. Yeah, so let's follow go your heart. We got to go way back because Redfern believes that this story begins with Alistair Crowley. Oh, yeah, our Loch Ness buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you may remember him from uh, such films as he haunted the lake with a ancient mystical dinosaur. <laughs> and During sex magic rituals. And, and let's start a sex cult yeah. in the uh, highlands of Scotland. Yeah. So um, during what he called the Amalantra working... Okay. which included the ingestion of weed and mescaline to achieve an altered state of consciousness. Alistair believed he made contact with an interdimensional entity known as Lamb, L-A-M. Okay, on the Lamb. Mm -hmm. He drew pictures of this guy, and he basically looks like a gray alien wearing a cool robe. Okay. He's got a big kind of almond-shaped head, big eyes, small like mouth and nose features, mm -hmm. no, no ears, short mm -hmm. little dude. Crowley did not believe he was from another planet, but did believe he was from another place or another realm. Mm. So he was communicating with this guy across some sort of, maybe not physical distance, but they were not of the same world. Mm. Like interdimensional? I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that means. You know, I don't know if that's really any 
more clear. But yeah, but it, but it, it, it's a word we've heard before. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like it helps me with the concept of not from a physical distance, but from like a realm distance kind of right, thing. Right. Like, yeah. You not might from just, outer space, but also not from our Earth. Maybe just an entirely different space and time. Yeah. 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 So that might be the origin of this, like, contacting aliens, quote unquote, through weird, like, ritualistic spiritual practices. Yeah. Because that was, I don't know when that was exactly, but Crowley was born in 1875. Okay. I think he was doing weird shit around Loch Ness in, like, the 20s. So this was probably, like, early 20s, I think. 1920s. That's interesting. I I was under the impression that, like that prototypical gray alien visual was, wasn't really like popularized until later on. Is that true? I don't think this was necessarily popular at the time and people weren't into, he never called it an alien. Oh, interesting. He just, it just was a being. Right. Mm. Mm. People made the connection later that like, Hey, these things that we call aliens now look like this thing that he saw in the twenties. And he called, ah, interesting. Lamb, the interdimensional entity. I, uh, Got it. I was not putting that together because I kind of forgot about his time period. So in my mind, I was like, well, did he just like draw what had been popularized as an alien in like the 40s? And then. No. Hmm. In the 40s, however. Uh, do we have a. Do we, sorry. Do we have an image of what he drew? Um, yeah. Let me. It's not going to help our listeners too much, but I guess. No, you can, no. I want to. I just want to try and describe it. See it. Well, well, you're. Uh, oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, it's basically a little gray guy with a cool cape. Damn, that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's exactly what you're like big, big rounded head yeah. with like kind of a pointy chin and like some sort of slender eyes and like a smushed in nose with two dots and like a little mouth. Huh. Oh, yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, that like, uh, yeah, that for sure tracks towards what we look at as like a gray today. Right. Huh. Crazy. So in the 40s, a dude named Jack Parsons came along who is a fucking fascinating guy that we could probably spend a whole episode on at some point. Let's do it. Uh, Jack Parsons was a rocket scientist who started building homemade rockets in the thirties and forties. A man after Mike, mad Mike Hughes's heart. (laughs) Well, about 80 years earlier, but yes, uh, he went on to invent the modern rocket fuels used by, uh, NASA had a lot to do with inventing solid rocket fuel later on. Uh, founded JPL, Jet Propulsion Labs. Thanks, Jack. AKA the part of NASA that builds shit. Jack sounds like a pretty smart guy. Yeah, very smart. He was also <laughs> into some fucking wild shit. Before every rocket test, he undertook a ritual to try and invoke the Greek god Pan. Because he thought it would help with the rocket launches. See, I fucking love these people, man. (laughs) These people that are like so grounded in the real math and science of the planet. Literal geniuses. Literal geniuses. And then they're also like, I'm going to do a dance in a circle and pray that the the Greek gods bless our rocket ship. You guys silly? I'm still going to send it. I'm going to send it. He was also close friends and associates with L. Ron Hubbard. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, before, and they lived together for a while and did crazy uh, sex magic rituals. Uh-oh. Before Hubbard oh, stole $10,000 and Parsons' girlfriend bought a yacht and tried to sail it to China. 
man, how come everybody has cooler lives than we do? But Parson, <laughs> Parsons summoned uh, some sort of storm that brought him back from the ocean. Nice. Yeah. Pan was looking out. <laughs> Uh, hey, you've, you've prayed to me and you've sacrificed to me many a time. I'm going to get your girlfriend back. <laughs> uh, in December of 1945, Hubbard and Parsons were living together and working on what they called the Babylon working. Uh, a series of rituals based on Enochian magic, which I don't exactly know what that is. I think it, that relates to Enoch somehow, but. E-N-O-C-H-I-A. Correct. A-N or just one yeah. A? Two A's I, or one A? One A? One A. Where would the and other the, one go? Enochian magic. Yeah. There's just some of the biblical ones like Canaan is like two A's oh. and like some of that stuff. Um, During this, his plan was to masturbate onto magical tablets. Oh, geez. <laughs> while listening to Prokiev's second violin concerto. <laughs> and his plan was to bring about an incarnation of the Thelemite goddess Babylon onto Earth. So he was going to somehow... Summon a person from the ether to Earth by listening to violin concertos and jerking off on the rocks. Okay, guys, we should have. I mean, uh, y'all know this is an explicit show. Maybe we should have given a slight precursor to the content of today's show. Um, all right. While well, he was doing this, L. Ron Hubbard was his scribe. Um, uh huh. Because. <laughs> because Parsons oh, thought no. that he was particularly sensitive to detecting magical phenomena. He had whatever that spell was from uh, the Tingleverse. I'm just, there's like so many <laughs> mental images in my head right now. I want to go, all of them to go away. Gonna be a good day. <laughs> just gonna send it. As described by Richard Metzger, quote, Parsons jerked off in the name of spiritual advancement while Hubbard scanned the astral plane for signs and visions. <laughs> Holy shit, bud. Which is a quote included on Jack Parson, rocket scientist's Wikipedia page. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. What kind of ego do you have to have to be like, how do we bring a god to life? I don't know. What if I just jerked off onto a stone? <laughs> I think that'll probably do it. We're going oh, to need some tunes. We're going to need some classical music to really break it up a notch. All right. That shit. Ron, do it. look out for ghosts. <laughs> Ron, let me know if anything happens. All right, I'll be uh, preoccupied, if you will. Um, Parsons eventually blew himself up. Um, depending on <laughs> depending on who you ask, either in a failed rocket experiment or by trying to open a portal to hell. Oh man! For the sake of this, I can't handle any of those <laughs> sentences that just happened. For the sake of Redfern's book, he assumes that he blew himself up trying to open a portal to hell because it makes the rest of the book much more interesting. It's fantastically so. Um, some people believe that this portal was successful and that it actually caused the UFO wave that started in 1947 with Kenneth Arnold and then Roswell a couple weeks later. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. the, the, the bridge was created and allowed the demons to come through, which then started doing crazy shit in our skies. Correct. Mm. Yep. Is this, uh, this explosion that created a portal to hell, the explosion on the cover of Nick Redfern's book? I don't know if it was that behind big. the devil. Cause they like, you know, he didn't disintegrate. They found him and he was still alive for a little bit. So I don't think he like set oh. off an atom bomb. 
Bummer. Yeah, he just like blew himself into a couple different pieces. Well, yeah, yeah. You've been playing with fire for too long, man. Uh, okay. So that's Jack Parsons, and that is the uh, the Crowley Parsons Parsons practicing Crowleyism. Sure, is potentially what opened, or is what opened this portal through which all of these things have been allowed to come. According, excuse me, according to the Collins Elite. Okay. Okay. So these are military and governmental workers. Yes. Who are signing up to say this guy who is jerking off onto rocks. Yes. Blew himself up. Yes. And created a portal to hell. Correct. That allowed demons to come through. Yep. That are now lying to us and pretending they're from another world. Correct. So that they can harvest our souls later on and trick us into breaking away from Christianity. Yeah, you got it. Woo! <laughs> I'm hired. <laughs> That's a great summary. Um, while we're talking about if any government or military people would actually believe such crazy things. Yes. Are you familiar with Lou Elizondo of To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences fame? We've discussed him repeatedly on this show. Okay. Well, he said one of the reasons that he left the ATIP program within the U.S. government was because his study received pushback from the Pentagon based on some top-ranking officials opposing it on, quote, religious grounds. Lou was the guy, he worked in the Pentagon and ran the program to investigate, and that's why he said he had the videos he had that came yep. out through To the Stars. Then he left and now works for To the Stars. I don't remember. Was the ATEP? ATEP? ATIP? ATIP. Uh, that was the Pentagon based threat investigation protocol or something like that. That was the Pentagon based program that was investigating this stuff. I don't remember what it stands for right now. What was AATIP? What? AAT, Advanced Aeronautical Threat Identification. Investigation, ident, investigation or Identification Protocol or something like that. Yeah. I think it's something like that. Program. Um, what on what? Well, I guess this is the question. But on on religious grounds, why would he even say that? That's a weird thing to say. Agreed. There's also I couldn't find the quote, and I wasn't about to rewatch that whole damn TV show that they made. <laughs> uh, but on the History Channel show that he made with Tom DeLonge and Prometheus Entertainment. Yes, <clears throat> he says in one of the last episodes. Uh, that some people within our government believe that this stuff is not alien, but is also not of this world and that it is demonic. Mm. I think he actually uses the word demonic that time. I could be wrong if anybody can find that actual quote, but he says something like slightly more specific than this, that like some people think this is uh, a religious thing, not a technology or an otherworldly thing. Okay. I guess my, like my initial thought around that is, is that because we have some like unscientific Judeo Christian based leaders that just want that to be real? Or is it because there is evidence that we are not privy to? Like, I guess either way, my point was that like we have some, uh, someone else saying like, yes, people do think about this stuff in religious terms within our government, within right. our military. Right. I guess that's all I was going for. Uh, Nick Pope, former UFO investigator for the British Ministry of Defense, mm -hmm. 
um, <clears throat> said, quote, I was aware that the Pen- of the Pentagon pushback on UFO research uh, that was in part due to the religious beliefs of some of those involved. It was an odd irony that the UFO investigations were being hampered because some people's belief in God meant that they either didn't believe in the existence of extraterrestrial life or that they regarded the UFOs and extraterrestrials as demonic. The fact that some people regard UFOs as demonic seems to have its roots in the biblical description of Satan as being, quote, the prince of the power of the air from Ephesians 2.2. Elizondo says they came up against religious pushback from senior staff when he ran the Pentagon's program, and I saw some evidence of that at of this at the MOD too. So that partially answers my question that he's saying, like some people just said, like, look, I believe in God and this goes against my belief in God. And because of that, it can't be aliens. And other people were like, everything is the devil to you, mama. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's flying and we don't know what it is. It's the devil. Right. Right. Ephesians said so. Also the prince of the air. Yeah. I, the quote says, and I, we could, fact check this to see if this is uh he says ephesians 2 2 the prince of the power of the air um there's got to be like google bible right (laughs) google bible (laughs) it's got to be a thing by now yes bro many there are there are many uh Jesus Christ. <laughs> that that in its own right uh, tells me how much more of a religious upbringing I had than you. Hey Siri, read me Ephesians 2.2. 2. Oh, does that work? Here's what I found. No, she just Googled no, it. No, she just Googled it. Biblegateway.com. Bible.com. There you go. Hit up um, Bible.com. Yeah, there's also Bible Gateway. You know go, what the, the worst part of whenever I, I get into uh, not knowing shit about the Bible? My mom was ordained. That's the worst part about all Your mom this. was ordained? Yeah. Or, sorry. Uh, has a Had a Master's of Divinity, but was not ordained. Wow, she that's went, crazy. Yeah. Got a Master's in Bible school. Where, at which Bible school? The one here. Can I say it? <laughs> I don't want to say it. It's a very small one. Um, you said Ephesians two two. Yeah, I just want to read what it says in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is starting at two, which is two one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, two in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Ruler of the kingdom of the air. So maybe that's just a kingdom different, of the air. Different translation. Yeah, this is uh, the new prince of the power of the air. It's this is the similar. new international version. I can literally get. Well, I'll I'll do KJV just really quick in case that one's more similar. But anyway, King, King James has uh, wherein the time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. There you go. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Interesting. So I don't know. Two people who claim to slash have been somewhat documented to have worked with UFOs in the British and gov- and U.S. governments saying like, yeah, this is a, a piece of the puzzle. Or some people think this way and it made it difficult for us to study this stuff. Not to get stuck on the Bible because I'm... I mean, that's sort of what we're talking about here. That's true. I am I'm also just generally very fascinated by the Bible and like a big part of my... Uh, so I. I went to Catholic school for two years, even though I wasn't going because it was a Catholic school. I was going because it was a small private school and I liked the actual like scholastic elements of it. And I 
left it eventually. But mm-hmm. uh, in doing that, I had to read a lot of the Bible and I grew up reading the Bible a lot. And there's all these really fascinating conversations around translation and how muddy translation is and how, sure. you know, many translations are translations of translations and translations of things into a language and then back to the language it started in and then back to that language again. So there's all this like, you know, I think so many people who are not super connected to the history of Christianity and the history of religion feel like, you know, there's all this talk about, it's like the word of God, which means it's, it's immutable. It's perfect. It's permanent. It's, you know, it was inspired by the lips of the master of the universe. Right. And yet there's so much human error that has occurred over the course of the Bible becoming what it is today. There were books that were added and removed. There were, you know, there were translations. Like I said, there are things that were missing that were filled in by other people. Like it is not as perfect as everyone thinks it is. And that history of the Bible is so important. And that's also why I find it very fascinating when you get these very specific phrases, though, the prince Mm. of the power of the air, like what a, that's so strange. It's not like, oh, that's a different word for chariot or something like that. Like the prince of the power of the air is a really strange and like fantastic statement. Right. And it, and it goes back to what you were talking about with like, you know, the the dualities of were things coming down from the air? <laughs> mm-hmm. And was that a, oh shit, what's that? And was that, that seems bad? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, Redfern also or eventually met with a guy named Richard Duke who claims to have been part of the Collins elite. Okay. And Duke says that they actually formed the Collins elite partially because of the wild shit that Jack Parsons was doing. Okay. Um, they needed a task force to be like, well, look, if this dude's about to unleash some shit, we need to be like ready for it. They were concerned about the crazy stuff he was doing in his free time because for a while he had top secret clearance to things relating to rocketry and air travel. Got it. And they didn't want somebody with that type of clearance and that type of information talking to a whole bunch of weirdos at his weekend orgies about it. Right, right, right. Or they were worried about what sort of stuff he was going to be bringing into work with him (laughs) on Monday. No doubt. No doubt. So He's like, hey, guys, uh, I know we're working on this new rocket fuel. I got an idea. We should point the rocket this way, and we should go to heaven. And they're all like, okay, Jack. Pan Pan said flip it 180. It'll work better. Uh, Listen, Jack, we're going to go to the moon, not to heaven, but thanks. Um, The FBI and CIA were both looking into Parsons, and he was eventually fired basically um and then started working for other governments which then got the cia and fbi's attention a second time yeah yeah sounds maybe treasonous uh yeah i'm not sure how that works i don't know i don't know their military applications i don't know the specifics of what he was doing or when or for whom but right right um they were also interested in the late 40s and early 50s in figuring out what was going on with the ufo stuff you know, you had, it was new, so to speak, and you had pilots and government and military employees reporting things that they couldn't identify both in the air and from the ground. You had rumors of the stuff happening at Roswell. There was some genuine interest in figuring out what was happening. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. So he said it started as a couple, he, he thought two to three people at Wright-Patterson 
looking into possible connections between the occult, UFOs, and demonology. Okay. Possibly the original impetus for this being like, hey, this guy who's inventing all these cool rockets for us is really into the occult and weird demon shit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're connected because he's doing this rocket stuff in a way that other people aren't. Yeah. Um, And on the weekends, he summons women out of the air and listens to (laughs) Prokofiev and jerks off on the tablets. And uh, let's keep an eye on that. Let's let's just for all for all of our sake. Let's keep an eye on him. Uh, Duke, this guy who is, uh, claims to have been in the Collins Elite, also believes that Parsons' death was related to the influx of UFO activity in the uh, early 50s. Specifically, the July 19th and 20th of 1952 UFO sightings in D.C. Oh, I don't know if I know these. Um, there were a bunch of UFOs sighted on radar, like, uh, around... DC in and around DC mm. over the course of two days. Okay. Like dozens of them. Huh? Yeah. That's cool. Uh, Duke also said that the Collins elite was very interested in what George Van Tassel and George Adamski were doing. Van Tassel is the guy who has the uh, big weird dome thing out in the California desert. You familiar mm, with that? I don't think I am. He was one of the 50s contactees that uh, said, like, through meditation, he was able to attract aliens, and they took him up to his spaceship, and they told him all about how we were fucking up the planet and doomsday that, and whatnot. That sounds familiar. The The dome in the desert does not sound as familiar. It's still there. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's like the... I don't know. Some they play weird sounds, and you can meditate and like maybe commune with aliens. Field trip. Yeah. Um, he also started channeling a few different aliens after a while, which also sounds, uh, you know, as we established earlier, a guy who doesn't know anything about the Bible sounds like a sort of uh, religious slash biblical type of thing. Channeling. Yeah. Yeah. Might some similarities at least. Yeah, I mean, it certainly depends on how it manifests. I mean, there was a lot of like channeling God through like worship or I'm just thinking of like the whole the concept of like speaking in tongues yeah, and shit. Yeah, for like sure. He, he would start talking in the voice in different voices that he said were aliens. Yeah, I mean, there's for sure an overlap there. The FBI was worried about this in uh, because they thought that it might be some Soviet espionage shit. Okay. Uh, direct quote from Redfern's book quoting or uh, paraphrasing Richard Duke uh, stated that certain elements within the Duke stated that certain elements within the FBI came to a startling albeit tentative conclusion that the claimed encounters with communist extraterrestrials (laughs) uh put on the list had nothing to do with visitors from other worlds but were instead the outcome of Soviet mind control and, quote, brain-to-brain contact projects in which U.S. citizens were being implanted with thoughts by Russian mind, soldier, Russian mind soldiers that led the contactees to think they were having real-life experiences with aliens who wanted to tell us how wonderful communism was. Wait, who? I'm sorry. I lost the plot in the communist all of angle. that wildness. Who said... Redfern is saying who thought this or said this? So... Renfern is talking to this guy, uh, Richard Duke. Yes. Who claims to have been part of the Collins elite. Yes. Duke, former Collins elite member, is saying, 
the FBI thought that this stuff that we were looking into as possible, like demonology, occult stuff, the FBI thought it was actually the Soviets fucking with us. Got it. So they were investigating the same stuff that we were. We were coming to the conclusion that it's demons and occult practices and they thought the fbi was, the was coming to the conclusion that it was the commies what <laughs> the fuck uh drastically different conclusions very, my friends yes duke explained that the experiences were initially believed to be quote stage managed psychological warfare and were simply the effects of highly sophisticated mind management and manipulation by the russians on unwitting citizens huh who actually believed what they were saying Duke claimed the FBI believed the Russians had apparently acquired the skills to do this from Nazi scientists captured at the end of World War II. So we got Nazis in there for good measure, too. I was just going to say, what's we are a conspiracy hitting, theory without Nazis? We are hitting every checkbox with uh-huh. today's episode. Yep. Devils, ghosts, demons, <laughs> Nazis. Everything is the devil to you, <laughs> We just need a Bigfoot appearance in here, and we're going to be good. Uh, the CIA was i'm just like highlighting the craziest and best parts of this book because sure it's 300 pages of just pure insanity sweet um the cia was really into ouija boards for a while god bless them and in february of 1940 uh, 1954 published a 27 page document called a history of ouija and intelligence applications no that, what? That demonstrated the agency was trying to determine if Ouija boards might be useful tools in espionage. Bro. So like along the lines of some remote viewing I was going to say, the men who stare at goats. Yeah. That's wild. They were also investigating UFO abductions or alien abductions. And after the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, the Collins elite began to take a careful look at UFO cases that involved... Uh, three specific things. So they're looking at cases that involved some amount of what they called vehicle interference. So okay. like your car stops working oh. or uh, if it were pilots, like their instruments are affected. Sure. Sure. Um, were reported by young women and, and occurred late at night or in the early morning hours. Hmm. I think what they're getting at is like, there's some overlap with those three criteria and like demons or poltergeisty type stuff. Okay. And that some of these elements were also present in abduction cases. Okay. So they started looking at UFO abduction cases that had those three criteria. To try to break it down into like, is there a common thread here with yeah. the devil? Yes. Okay. And they found a few. Okay. One is uh, a woman named Anne Henson. Um, some of this information now, also, he, uh, Redfern met with a second former Collins elite member named Robert Manners. So some of this information is coming from interviews with Robert Manners as well. Got it. A <clears throat> uh, quick summary of Anne Henson's story. It's 1962. Uh, she sees this light out of her bedroom window that uh, was changing color from red to green to yellow. And there were rays of light like shooting out of this central ball of light. So you've got a ball of light that's changing color and sometimes other little rays of light are coming off of it. Red and green and yellow. 
ball, the central ball of light was changing colors from red to green to yellow. I don't know what color the uh, rays of light were. She sure it wasn't a stoplight. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Carry on. <sighs> Carry on. <laughs> A quote from uh, Ann Henson. At first I thought it was a star, but it wasn't static. Then I thought it must be a helicopter or something like that, but there was no sound from it. Then it began moving backwards and forward and left to right. Yeah, probably not a stoplight. I was intrigued because it was making fairly rapid movements, but the color of the lights attracted me first. It was very bright. It would come towards me quickly and then appeared to increase in size and then reversed and moved sideways at a slower speed, but it always returned to its original position. Over an hour or so, the light gradually receded until it was just like a little pinprick. Then I went to sleep, but the next night, I saw it again, and this happened on a few occasions, and I got quite used to seeing it if it was a clear night. To be honest, I got quite friendly with it. I didn't feel threatened by it because although it came close to our farm, it never came that close. Now when I'd seen it a few times, I decided I would get a compass and graph paper and try and track where it was coming from. So eventually... uh, Someone shows up at her house after she she contacts the uh, Air Force base nearby and says, hey, I'm seeing this weird thing. Uh, do you know anything about it? Is it yours? Etc. They send somebody out and this person shows up wearing a black suit and tie. Here come the man in black. I knew it was coming. I knew an, it. In an all black car. Uh, not in uniform. Says he's an Air Force official, but doesn't give his name or title or anything. Comes several times and just sits with her, like, waiting to see if this light appears. Absolutely not. In the middle of the night. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. He came three times uh, to the house to look for this thing. And on the third night, he saw it. Just makes some notes in a notebook about it. Tells her not to talk about it and leaves. Awesome. Yes. I love it. I love it. So we now also maybe have the men in black involved in these UFO slash demon cases. Check in another box. <laughs> We're about to get paranormal bingo up in this motherfucker. We do need Sasquatch, and unfortunately he's not mentioned anywhere in here. Sasquatch. Batsquatch. Batsquatch. Um, they... <sighs> She contacted the Air Force again, and they made a report that they let her see that said she had seen a celestial body, such as a star or a planet. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds uh, they found unlikely based on what she described, but okay. They found another case, um, a woman who was driving late at night, and her car was actually bumped by a UFO bumped yep came up alongside her and give it a little kiss gave it a tap tap um anyway they find a few more of these cases that have sort of overlap with uh demony and ufo-y stuff yeah i mean i guess like like it's a it's a very loose connection for sure none of those things feel demony to me yeah like I, i think the way i started thinking about this was like at what point did we start thinking that things like that, seeing a light in the sky or, you know, your car being bumped by some unknown force or like a light or something. Why is that aliens? That has nothing to do with aliens. It's happening on our planet. You didn't see it come from anywhere. 
you're not seeing like a ship. You're seeing a light. You're feeling some sort of force. Sometimes you're hearing things like telepathically. Yeah. Right? Like I you're having missing time. Like none of that for reads sure. inherently as alien, although we wouldn't know what it was. And I think in the past a lot of that stuff would have just been interpreted as like the devil. <laughs> yeah. I definitely see what you're saying. I think the the element like yeah, like I definitely see where you're coming from. I think the element for me that like leads me to say like that feels more UFOE or alieny than it does demony is just because I think like from from I guess whether it's popular culture or from all the readings and stuff that we've done, it feels more like if it is a light, it is still hypothetically like technological of some kind like there has to be a technology emanating the source of that light or maybe not that there has to be but that most people would presume that they like that stuff used to be associated with like fairies and things too though sure that's true that was never uh before we had technology people didn't look at it technologically right yeah 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 so it's it's i think that's more us interpreting the same thing through our current lens right then it is a phenomena actually changing. Yeah, and that's the thing we've talked about multiple times on the show too, that it's like how many of these things are things that used to be things, but huh. we like they used to be something else, or we used to think oh, right. about it like we just the, renaming the biblical the example is a yeah. perfect thing. We yeah. were, we're talking about something descending from the sky as a light. Well, what is that? Like, yeah. did they see a meteor and that was burning up in the atmosphere? That was a monstrous meteor. And that was what like descending, a descending light from the sky was back then. But they refer to it as an angel descending to earth. Whereas now we know it to be something different. We just have a different lens on it. Right. Um, one of the more, I guess, concrete isn't the right word, but uh, specifically demonic or religious links to ufo stuff that they investigated was the link between people who had had ufo encounters and then started having uh religious or apocalyptic type dreams afterwards that's interesting and they interacted with uh one person specifically what was this guy's name um Oh, yeah. Okay, well, there are two. Uh, there was one woman who thought she had been abducted or, as she said, kidnapped because she saw this weird light. Her car stopped working. She saw some creatures, woke up the next morning in the same spot. So she had, like, hours and hours of missing time. Okay. Then she started having a bunch of weird changes in her life afterwards, including feeling the urge to become vegetarian. Uh Wanting to start following Buddha. Okay. Uh, starting to believe in life after death. And believing that after death, we would all be judged by a, quote, higher power. Okay. And she started uh, interacting with some people from the Air Force who wanted to talk to her about her experience. And she told them a lot about her experience. And they apparently told her, this is a... Uh, Tammy Stone is this woman's name, if you want to Got do it. some more research on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, The Air Force allegedly told her that these creatures that had kidnapped her and other people uh, 
would return them. So they'd take them for like a couple hours, bring them back. And that consistently these people would talk about the apocalypse, the end of the world, and why we needed to attack Russia quickly while we had the chance. Wow! <laughs> Wow! <laughs> Apparently, some people within the Air Force believe that the ultimate aim of these, quote, aliens was to try and engineer an all-out third world war. Damn, that's crazy. So they're specifically targeting the U.S. during the Cold War to say, like, nuke Russia. Do it. Do it. Blow them up. Fucking do it. Yeah. Fuck them. Fucking so we can do eat, it. So we can eat your souls. It seems kind of dumb, though, to just be like, oh, I'm going to go grab this random woman who's, like, not in a position of power or influence as it relates to those types of decisions. I, I would agree. Uh, like for instance, taking some of those people in the air force might've been more useful. Yep. Um, man, there's uh, right. Like almost an hour and there's just so much shit in here. Maybe I'll save some of it for the Patreon. Well, Uh, why don't you keep going and I can save the documentary I watched for this week's paid episode and we can talk more about it on there. Okay. How's that sound? Sure. Um, they also investigated- Because I'm in it now, and I want to know where this goes. Okay. Well, I don't know if I have like a solid answer for you, but All I right. have a bunch more weird shit that we can speculate about. Sounds fun. There was also a woman who it's called just Allison. No Sorry. Last- can I ask a quick question? Yeah. These individual cases, these are, just to clarify, these are all coming from, this is the guy who said he worked at Collins Elite. And he's saying these are- Things that the Collins elite was investigating or okay. was aware of. And and Nick talked to this guy specifically to Correct. get these stories. Yes. This is coming from, what's the guy's name? Robert, uh, Robert Manners. Robert Manners. Talking directly to Redfern about his work at Collins elite or Got with it. Collins elite. Do we have any like first hand documents or... Like, do we know how Robert remembered all these names and places and details or? I mean, short answer, no. Okay. Um, There are some attempts to, uh, they have like some related documents, like uh, a defense intelligence agency file on out-of-body experiences. Okay. Right. So like, okay, somebody in the agency was looking at, stuff like this right and had to go research it or talk to the right person or whatever but we don't have a case file that says you know allison was abducted by aliens on this day and here are photos of it obviously right right okay it wouldn't just be in this nick redfern book published by anomalous books in 2010 (laughs) sure 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 (laughs) sure 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 cool cool just checking uh so this woman named allison uh had been abducted she believed five times And the fifth time that she was abducted, there was, so there would always be this like loud humming sound coming from outside of her house. They always took place in her house at night. Yep. And these aliens would come into her house and then she would like be incapacitated, pass out and then wake back up in her bed. Okay. Right. Sounds like a party. So during this fifth one, uh, after these aliens come into her, into her room, she starts to, instead of like sort of fading out, she starts regaining her senses and becoming more alert. And at the same time, the aliens vanish. And in their place was a group of 
large, what she called, quote, rather large and burly men in what looked like black combat fatigues. What the fuck? So there's a bunch of like military dudes standing where all the aliens were. According to Allison, one of the men men screamed into a microphone, what happened? (laughs) Then the men backed away slowly, and as Allison began to regain her senses, one of them held up his hand as if to say, stay where you are, and uttered the word, sorry, in her direction. Allison made her way to the window in time to see the men jump into an unmarked black helicopter. At the height of several hundred feet, a powerful lamp was turned on that lit up the night sky around her property. Okay. So now we also have the military carrying out false flag alien abductions. That's a fun story, and that's horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's horseshit. <laughs> I mean, duh. I mean, is any yeah. of this not at this point? I mean, I don't know. That just one just is like that reads like scary stories to read in the dark. Like, sure level goofy uh okay jumping around to other just to summarize some of the wildest stories in this book for the last few minutes yeah yeah there's a uh another story from robert manners um is about a guy named paul garrett and he had was in a car accident and had a near-death experience yeah most people have a like I'm floating out of my body and maybe there's a light that I'm going towards and there's some sort of being with me and then I'm back in my body, near-death experience. Sure. He had a uh, a bad trip, so to speak. Oh, no. <laughs> and I thought near-death experiences were supposed to be like, you're warm and taken care of and everything's going to be okay. Paul went to hell. Oh, God, Paul. <laughs> Paul, you made bad choices, Paul. <laughs> So he also saw a tunnel of bright light, but then was suddenly and violently hauled away from its comforting glow and enveloping warmth into a far darker and colder dimension. The devil. (laughs) He said he felt himself falling, which in hindsight made him wonder if he was actually descending into hell. Cool. Uh, Reading directly from Nick Redfern, Final Events. Garrett said that he was confronted by a never-ending, flat, light blue, sandy landscape that was dominated by a writhing, hmm, mm. writhing mass <laughs> of an untold number of naked human beings screaming Oof. in what sounded like tortuous agony. This is just Dante's Inferno. Above them, shh, above <laughs> them, he saw a purple sky filled with hundreds of flying saucers that pulsed and throbbed. Almost as if they were living, breathing entities on their own. Goddamn, Paul. The objects busily raced back and forth across the skyline in a fashion that Garrett likened to seemingly metallic soldier ants or worker bees performing never-ending, vitally important tasks. Mm. He watched. <laughs> Gotta keep hell clean. He watched the flying saucer-like craft suddenly slow down their movements uh, above the mass of people below and then bathed each and every one of them in a green, sickly glow. Mm. Small balls of light flew from the bodies of the people into the green glow, then sucked up and then were sucked up into the flying saucers. At that point, an eerie and deafening silence overcame the huge mass of people who rose to their feet as one and collectively stumbled in the hundreds of thousands across the barren landscape towards a large black hole that had now materialized in the distance. Cool. Paul went to hell. Paul went to hell. Where the UFOs are stealing people's souls before they push them into a black hole forever. Sure, sure, sure. 
That was his near-death experience. Sure. Do you think he crashed because he was high as fuck? It sounds like it. It sounds like he was... It sounds like he was stripping balls on that one. See, you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you? You know what else it sounds like? Mm -hmm. It sounds like Nick Redfern made up a guy (laughs) in a fake program (laughs) to give himself the opportunity to creatively tell as many fake stories as he wanted to tell about this whole thing. You know what? And God bless him for it. I mean, it's a great book. (laughs) I'm not saying they're not cool and interesting. I'm just saying like. The way, especially the way in which a lot of that is written is like, how, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the level of detail that's being created in a narrative way there is not just like, I'm a guy who worked in this department at one point and I have all of the no, of course. details in my brain. Of course. Yeah. I'm just saying like, it's yeah, got to it, give the people what they want. It screams, it screams goofy balls <laughs> to me. That's what it's, that's what it screams. Um, maybe last one and then. We'll uh, do some summaries before oh, no, we jump Oh, no, I got off. two, because Bob, Bobby fucking Lasers shows up in this book. Oh, my God, it's every <laughs> checkbox. Oh, shit, I got, I got to do three more things real quick. Sweary Boys Bingo. <laughs> oh, we should play Sweary Boys Bingo at some time. That'd be awesome. Hell, yeah. Okay, uh, Ronald Reagan was apparently very into the occult and UFOs. Uh, I'm just sorry. I just realized that we should have a lie was born up on the pad because we could have used it so many times today. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to the beginning and take a whole nother pass at this episode uh-huh. and every, every 30 seconds. Just a lie was born. <laughs> anytime I start talking. <laughs> Sprinkling our allegedlies. Um, quote from page 146 of Final Events. The screening of E.T. was a significant event. I'm sorry, the movie? Uh Uh-huh. Cool. There was a screening at the White House with Spielberg and Reagan both in attendance. Wow. And uh, according to ufological rumor, which is a a phrase we need to remember for for when we write our book. Ufological rumor? According to ufological rumor. Oh, yeah, that's so... Put literally, <laughs> literally anything else could go after that. When the movie was over, the president said to Spielberg in distinctly hushed tones... You know, there aren't six people in this room who know how true this really is. That's cool. That's a great line. Yep. That's a great line. Reagan thought E.T. was a true story. My my uh, <laughs> my hope for that was going to be like Reagan leans over to Spielberg in hushed tones and says, I want to see my alien. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> hey, Steve. Shh. Hey, Steve. Steve, come here quick. Come Where here. do you see this alien? Hey, Steve. Why do you see my alien? Hey, Steve. <laughs> and then he pushed him through a fake bookcase in the White House, and they tumbled down a spiral staircase. Do you think Spielberg would have had a career if he went by Steve Spielberg? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's got to be Steven, bro. Best movie maker in the country. His name's Steve. Steve. Get the fuck out of here. It's got to be Steven. Uh, he also claims that Reagan had a personal UFO encounter and that he employed... A personal UFO. It's his, it's yeah. his UFO. Yeah. Uh, that he also employed an astrologist while he was president. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Uh, Bobby Lazers. Oh, uh, wait. Roswell, uh, then Bobby Lazers. Roswell. Yep. Um, We're hitting them all. Quote from page 174 of this book. The unusual debris found in 1947 did not result from the crash or aerial explosion of an alien spacecraft. Okay. Rather, it may have been cosmically and alchemically weaved in realms far away, then carefully and deliberately dropped on the desert floor. Phenomenal. The demons manifested it from another realm. 
Of course they to did. To make us think that aliens were crashing in the desert. Because if they're in our realm, they couldn't have just <laughs> grabbed some shit from a junkyard and thrown it in the desert. Hell no! We must weave it using our <laughs> minds in an intergalactic far dimension. Uh, okay. Bobby lasers. And then we're out of here. Bobby freaking lasers! Uh, Lazar said... That he read reports that humankind is the product of 65 genetic, quote, corrections by aliens. Okay. Um, let's see. He said, quote, this is in a, an interview with George Knapp for uh, KL, KLAS-TV in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. Uh, he said he was skeptical of the religious information he read in his briefings, but, quote, it's easier to swallow things you can put your hands on and touch and work with. That's no problem. But when you get a lot of spiritual stuff and religion that we are made by progressive corrections and evolution, it's tough to accept without hardcore proof. The only hardcore thing is that there is an extremely classified document dealing with religion, and it's extremely thick. Why should there be any classified documents dealing with religion? When pressed further by Knapp, Lazar said that the documents he read described human beings as, quote, containers. That's supposedly how the aliens look at us, that we are nothing but containers. Maybe containers of souls. Huh. So Bobby Lasers thinks that the aliens look at us as containers for the souls that they're going to steal before they push us into the black hole. Well... For all of our sake, I hope they're wrong. That's an idea. I, that is an idea. Um, yeah, man. I I, let's stop there. Let's I stop there. I, I have know. I have plenty more to talk about. Let's talk about it on the on the paid episode this week. For those that don't know, we do two episodes every week. Uh, and sometimes if we go long, instead of making it a two parter, we just take it to the paid episode. It's patreon.com slash what if podcast. It's only five bucks a month. And uh, you get access to a second episode of the show every single week, plus access to a back catalog of 100 episodes. I promise we don't do this intentionally just to like dangle, but we are uh, well over an hour at this point. And, uh, and, and I watched a whole goddamn documentary we haven't talked about yet. I think this is such a damn neat <laughs> show. So we're going to go do that over there at patreon.com slash what if podcast this week. Uh, the closest thing I can give you to a conclusion to this wild ass story. Yes. Is that. Uh, as of the writing of this book in 2010, Collins Elite still existed. According to who? Come on. According to Come on. Who? We were trying to trying to wrap it up, bud. I mean, <laughs> you I'm could, down. You could, I'm now just... you're going to start saying according to who? All right. After all I right. gave you made up names probably for the last three hours. <laughs> Uh, special thanks to uh, Space and Beyond Box for sponsoring this week's episode. Go to spaceandbeyondbox.com slash giveaway. Get yourself a free box or free many boxes, bro. Of space stuff. Also, go to whatifpodcast.com slash LA. It's your last chance to dance. Come see us in LA. We're going to be partying at the satellite on October 30th. It's only eight bucks. It's going to be a super fun night the night before Halloween. It's going to get spooky. I might wear a costume. We'll see. Uh, I have a costume planned as well. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Oh my God. Let's both not plan and we'll get ready in different rooms and then we'll see each other for the first time when we walk out. Love it you, should bye. be a fun time. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.